We started a series last week titled, titled Emojis. In this series, Emojis, we started last week talking about emotional intelligence. And let me give you the definition. Last week I just said it, this week we made a slide, but emotional intelligence is the ability to monitor one's own and other people's emotions, to discriminate between different emotions and label them appropriately, to use emotional information to guide thinking and behavior. Some of you are like, Pastor, I came to church, not a seminar. See, that's part of the situation where churches have not been teaching things that deal with the Word of God and how to then also deal with people in the world. And emotional intelligence did not have anything to do with your IQ, your intellectual quotient. There's people with very high IQ with no EQ or EI. And on the flip side, there's people with a very high EQ or EI with a low IQ that are super successful because of the fact that they know how to deal with emotions. And so we talked about five stages of emotional intelligence. The first one being self-aware of your own emotions. Part of the problem is we have no idea what we feel when we feel. So part of having emotional intelligence is having a self-awareness. The second thing is being able to self-regulate your emotions. Being self-motivated. What's your motivation? Is Are you only motivated to do something because of what you're going to get out of it? Or are you able to self-motivate yourself to go forward? The ability to empathize. Empathy is me being able to feel what you feel. If you are in sorrow, I can feel sorrow. If you are in joy, I can feel joy. I can empathize with what you are feeling, which is a very important part of human interaction. And the fifth one is the social skills, how to manage relationships. These are things that formulate and build your emotional intelligence. And I said a statement last week that I think I need to repeat, and it's this. See, we're all emotional people. God showed emotion in Scripture. And the thing is this, it is unbiblical and ungodly to ignore one's emotions. Okay? God felt love. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall perish, but ever everlasting life. God felt regret. Remember when mankind continued to sin, he's like, why did I make these people? Felt wrath, anger. He told Moses at one point, listen, we're going to kill them all in the desert and I'm going to make a nation out of you. And Moses was like, God, you can't do that. And we were made in God's image, right? So it is not right to ignore emotions. On the flip side, it's ungodly to live based on your emotions. So last week we talked about the emotion of fear. Three things we hit as main points. Number one, fear came as a result of sin. When man fell, before Adam ate of the fruit, he knew no fear. Okay? My daughters all sing this song, walking in the jungle, walking in the jungle. Y'all know it? Baby song? No? Maybe? We're, you're going to learn it. Watch. You're not afraid. We're not afraid. One step, two step, three steps forward. One step, two step, three steps back. I can't believe none of you know this song. Anyways. <laughs> and it says, stop. 
listen. Ribbit, ribbit. And then Samantha's singing it probably, isn't it? She's saying, yeah. And it says, it's a frog. We're not afraid. And then it goes through it again. It gets to this point where it's like, stop, listen. And it's roar. It's like, it's a jaguar. Run. Okay. Adam was walking around the Garden of Eden. No fear of the lions, the tigers, the bears, oh my. He was fine. The minute he ate of the fruit, you got it, thanks. The minute he ate of the fruit, God calls him. And what does it say? He hid. And God's like, Adam, where are you? He says, I was naked and afraid. I was fearful. Why was he fearful? Because there had been a break in his relationship with God. Sin had entered. Fear does not come from God. Point number two. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And the third thing we hit last week was the fact that overcoming fear brings you to great victories and the fulfilling of your purpose. We talked about Abraham. He's all sweating the fact that he doesn't have kids. And God there looks and looks at him. Genesis 6 says, fear not. I'm your shield. I've got you. I'm your protection. Abraham's like, but I don't have a son. My heir is going to be my servant, Eliezer, or whatever. I, I don't have anybody. And God says this, fear not. I got you. I'm going to make you a great descendant. Go count the stars. Go count the sand. Those are the things he tells him. So overcoming your fear will bring you to great victory and to fulfill your purpose. So the emotion of fear, which is natural, cannot govern your life. That was a good one now. But today, today we're going to talk about one that we all deal with, and it's this, anger. I got a couple of emojis I want to talk about for a second. Give me the first one there. You know, somebody texted you, something happened, and you're like, huh. You even put it with emphasis on your iPhone or whatever. Then we got the guy that now I'm not just mad. Now I'm like blood pressure boiling mad. Ears flaring, getting red. Then you got the guy that nostrils are like, right? Looks like a bull coming ready to go. Did you know that the Hebrew word... For anger, the definition is to have your nostrils flare like with steam. In the scripture, there's a passage in um, Proverbs where it says that God's anger arose, and it's this word, his nostrils flared at what the people were doing. That's some of us there, right? Then, if you stub your toe sometimes, you get this guy. Don't raise your hand. You know what I'm talking about. Nothing brings out that emoji like stubbing your toe in the middle of the night. Sometimes you get so angry that your head just wants to explode. And don't even mention, I know there's nobody at this church, but don't even mention the people that anger just brings the devil straight up out of you. Anger. Anger. Dealing with anger. It's not easy. Do you know that anger led to the second sin recorded in Scripture? Go to Genesis chapter 4. 
You got me on the screen? Thank you. He did not respect Cain and his offering. This is God. God did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very, what? Angry, and his countenance fell. You ever felt angry and you're, you're just like dejected? Countenance fell, right? Verse five, uh, six, sorry, thank you. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why has your countenance fallen? Now look at verse seven. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Do you understand that if he would have allowed the emotion of anger to subside, he would not have committed the second sin in the Bible, which is murder? First sin was rebellion. Adam and Eve went and ate of the fruit. They rebelled against what God said. The second sin was murder because he allowed anger to govern his emotion. So here's my first point that I want you to jot down today. Anger is normal. Studies show that people get angry on average three to 15 times a day. I know some of y'all, some use a little more like 24 to 75, but <laughs> no, I'm, I'm playing. There's a lot of new folks here today. My name is Pastor David. Um, I'm a closet comedian. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I feel that it is okay to laugh in church because God has a sense of humor. If you don't believe me, because the Bible doesn't say he has a sense of humor, but if you don't believe me, he created everybody. Go check out a baboon. God's got a sense of humor. So I believe that it's okay to laugh and enjoy time at church as long as we're getting back to the word of God. So fear, or no, sorry, anger is normal. Three to 15 times a day on average. If you look back at the verse in Genesis, Basically, it's teaching us from God's perspective is going ahead and teaching us the difference between feeling anger and letting anger dominate your life. So anger is normal. You see people all around scripture feeling anger, don't you? You know who was a hothead? Moses. Moses was a hothead, was raised under Pharaoh, goes to the slave camp, the Egyptians uh, camp of the Israelites, sees an Egyptian beating on a, on a Hebrew, gets so angry, he goes over there and kills the guy, flees into the wilderness, finds the water where his future wife is there trying to feed the, uh, get water for the sheep. These other guys are pushing her side, filled with anger. She found it sexy. He's like, he defended me. And then she turns around, he gets full with wrath with her too. You can't go. It's filled with anger and rage. The last thing was when God tells him, go speak to the rock and water's going to come. But he was so frustrated, he's hit the rock. And God said, that's it, man, enough's enough. I've given you time to control your emotions. So because of that, you will not enter the promised land. And he didn't get to enter the promised land. Peter, and that guy dealt with some issues with emotion. Remember when they came to arrest Jesus, pulled out a sword, cut the guy's ear off? 
Jesus is like, yo, that's not how we deal with it. Got the ear off the ground, dusted it off, put it back onto his ear. Not with crazy goo. He healed him. So anger is normal. The question is, are you allowing anger to govern you? Because feeling anger is not a sin. Look what Ephesians chapter 4 says. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 says, be angry, but do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give a place to the devil. We've talked about it several times this year. We've gone back to the point. Temptation in and of itself is not a sin. Feeling tempted, whatever it is that you deal with that tempts you, feeling that is not a sin. Letting it fester and then doing it, that's the sin. So feeling anger is normal. It's not a sin. So God said, be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You got upset at your wife or wife, you got upset at your husband, you had an argument, you screamed at each other, fix it. There ain't no sleep in one bedroom and I sleep in another. Go sleep on the couch and I sleep here. That doesn't exist in a Christian marriage. You deal with the issue. Some of y'all need to repent for that. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You need to deal with that. That's what starts the crack to destroy your marriage, which is what the devil wants. He wants broken homes. He wants destruction. The Bible says he came to kill, to steal, and to destroy. I told you to put your seatbelts on today. It's time for us to deal. Be angry, but do not sin. Nor give the devil a foothold. Let's go back to Cain. He felt anger. God liked my brother's offering. He rejected mine. He could have fixed the situation. Given to God what he needed to give to God. Let his anger subside. But no, he went and found his brother and clocked him over the head with a stone and killed him. Be angry, but do not sin. Point number one. Anger's normal. Point number two, anger can be dangerous. It can be dangerous. See, anger can destroy your reputation. At work, everybody knows you're a believer. You love God. You follow him, his principles. You do the things. You get angry and you lash out. And all of a sudden, your reputation that you've been working to build out the window. Oh, but I'm human. Yes, we are, but we're Christians and we're called to a higher standard. So look what the Bible says. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse number 9. Ecclesiastes 7, 9. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. That's pretty deep, man. If y'all don't read Proverbs, y'all need to start reading Proverbs. There's a verse I put up there on my Instagram the other day, at Pastor David 24 if you want to follow. <laughs> I finally got over 400. I was so excited. We're like at 414. Um, out of the book of Proverbs. As a matter of fact, I don't want to misquote it. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to read it to you. If you didn't see it, you, it was a good one. Proverbs is important. 
Some of you are more adept at this. You already found it. And I'm still looking for it. I don't even know. Where's Instagram on my phone? On oh, last page. Here. All right. Hold on. I'm coming. I'm coming. Ah! There it is. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Proverbs 19.3. Man, that convicted me because I've been stupid sometimes and done what I shouldn't do. And then I get mad at God for being in the mess I'm in. So the verse we just read in Proverbs 7 says, don't hasten to anger, for it dwells in the bosom of fools. So anger can be dangerous. It can destroy your reputation. Here's the second part of that. It can destroy relationships. How many relationships, husband and wife, parents with their children, co-workers, colleagues, have not been destroyed because of anger? And look at what Proverbs 22, 24 says. The other one was Ecclesiastes, sorry. Proverbs 22, 24 says, Make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man. Do not go lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Can we read that one more time? Make no friendship with an angry man. Why? Because it's dangerous. Those are two biblical things. Now let me give you another one. Anger can be deadly to your health. Y'all know I like to read and, and learn. Watch, look at this study. Angry outbursts put your heart at grace risks. In the two hours after an angry outburst, the chance of having a heart attack doubles. Look at the next one. Anger ups your stroke wrist. If you're prone to lashing out, beware. Studies have found that there's three times higher risk of having a stroke from a blood clot to the brain or bleeding with the brain, within the brain during the two hours after an angry outburst. It weakens your immune system. Harvard Medical did a study on healthy people, not sick people, healthy people. And they discovered that in healthy people, simply recalling an angry experience from their past caused a six-hour dip in the levels of the antibody immunoglobin A, the cells that that's a first line of defense against infection. Healthy people. Dealing with that and getting angry for the next six hours, your immune system goes down. It makes your anxiety worse. It's linked to depression. And this one also I thought was interesting. It can hurt your lungs. So they were able to do studies and realize that the lungs of a person that deals with chronic anger and losing it their capacity to breathe is like that of a smoker without their tar. You smoke, your lungs are filled with tar. You constantly deal with anger, you get shortness of breath, and you can't breathe the way you're supposed to. Church, anger is normal, but it's dangerous. And that danger is the fact that it can 
cost your reputation, it can ruin relationships, and it can kill you. The third point is this. It can be avoided. Anger can be avoided. Well, pastor, what do you mean anger can be avoided? Well, one of the main things that we don't do enough is put margins in our life. We always think we can do one more thing. And what suffers at the end of that? Our sleep. Have you ever been irritable and cranky because you're tired? I mean, I know I get irritable when I'm hungry too, but <laughs> that's another preaching. <laughs> I get hangry. Pass me a Snickers bar. Um, that's why right before service, I went and grabbed the Cuban protein bar. It's like somebody told me that's not healthy, Pastor. It's like I need to preach the second service. Give me a croqueta. <laughs> I told you it's okay to laugh. Anyways, and at that point, I'm laughing at myself, so it was okay. Um, margins. Do y'all know what the yellow light means in traffic? Slow down to stop. It doesn't mean speed up, people. <laughs> it's yellow! <laughs> Floor it! That's not what yellow means. Some of y'all have some accidents and tickets to prove it. Yellow does not mean speed up. You know what happens to many of us are living on the yellow. We're not sleeping. We're not resting. And then we're always easily getting irritable. So it can be avoided by adding better systems and having time, sleep better. Another one is ignoring the symptoms of overload because overload will cause you to get angry. Having a conversation with a brother of mine, comes here to the church, right? He's uh, sitting here right here. He's had a conversation with the bosses. Hey, I can't keep doing what you guys want me to do. It's going to mess up my life. He took it to the point and said, I'm resigning. I'm leaving. The company said, no, 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 no. Hire more help. Do the things. We don't want you to go. But he got to a point where he I need time with my kids. I need time with my family. I'm being overloaded. And if you're overloaded, you are going to easily anger. Here's another one on how to deal with this. Don't bottle up frustration. Talk about it. What happens is too many times we bottle things up. We don't talk about it. So when we finally talk, it's like getting a Coca-Cola can and shaking it and opening it. And it's like diary of the mouth. Everything you've ever wanted to say, you said. Don't ignore frustration. Talk about it. Talk about it. We need to know the causes of anger. You know what's a big one? Pride and control. When you think you deserve a certain thing because of your position or because of who you are or whatever, and they don't give it to you. Like you get to the restaurant and it's full and they tell you it's a 45 minute wait. And you're like, I come here all the time. Did you know who I am? Did you know I'm so and so? Right? That pride leads you to then when they say no, to get all angry. Not having control over a situation deals you to get angry. 
powerlessness and pain. When you're hurt, you tend to speak out of a place of hurt and you end up hurting people. Saying things purposely to hurt the other person. You can avoid that. So anger is normal. It's dangerous. It can be avoided. Point number four is the fact that it can be managed. Now, we're going to put up a remote control behind me up here for a second. Anybody ever use a remote control? Yes? All right. So I want to talk about how to manage your anger a little bit with our remote control. You, 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 were you with me on that? The first button I want to talk about is this one there, the pause button. What do you use a pause button for? Right? They, they, Abig My daughters right now, Abigail and Alexander, are big into Star Wars, so we just finished watching all eight because they want to go watch the ninth one when it comes out. They had never watched it before. We finally go, whatever. So the other day, we're like in the middle of it, and Abigail's like, Dad, can you pause it? I'm like, why? It's good. She's like, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like, I got you. And I paused it. She was like, can I use the guest bathroom so I don't even have to run all the way to my room? I was like, sure, you know? <laughs> like, Patty, is the guest bathroom clean? Right? Like, you know, it's the guest bathroom. Would the guests come and use it? We clean it. Right? It's like, you know, just in case. So, pause it. You stop. You can't allow your emotional impulse to be what reacts. Some of us, when we feel anger, we got to press the pause button so that we can let rational mind have its way. Pause. The next button on here I want to talk about is the forward button. It's right next to the pause. I'm not going to jump again because I don't want to fall. The forward button. What do I want you to think about with the forward button? I want you to think through the end of the argument before you say what you say. So forward it and say, if I say this, what's going to happen next? That's a very deep concept. Because some of us, if we actually pause and then forward a little bit, if I say this, it's going to lead me here, and that's going to lead me there, and that's going to lead here, and before you know it, we're going to be being fed to an alligator somewhere. Forward. The next button I want to talk about, <laughs> it's a good one for all you Cubans. I'm Cuban, so I can say it. Volume down. <laughs> Tell my mom, I said, Mom, you're screaming. Es que yo hablo así. That's how I talk. Uh, exactly. I'm not yelling. I'm Cuban. I'm, I think there's a shirt that says that. I've seen it on, on the thing. Volume down, man. Because you know what happens when you escalate your volume? They're going to escalate their volume. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. Proverbs 15, 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I mean, have you ever tried to argue with somebody and they start talking down, like lower the volume at you? It's really hard to continue to stay yelling, isn't it? It's like, you're like, but yeah, and before you know it, you're having a conversation. Because the Bible says that a soft answer turns away wrath. Lower the volume. 
Pause, forward, lower the volume. Ha, some of y'all need this one. Where's my remote? Where's my remote? Here it comes, here it comes, ready? Mute! <laughs> Be quiet until you get control. Mute. Mute. Close it. Until you get control. Here's another one. The red circle. Record. Record. I'm not saying take out your phone and record the conversation and post it on Instagram, okay? Like nobody stops people from fighting and arguing. Everybody just pulls out their phone to record it. The worst thing. It's horrible. Anyways, I'm getting off topic. Record. What do I mean by that? Listen intently to what they're saying. Because sometimes the anger clouds the fact that we're actually wrong. And we don't even listen to what the other person is telling us. And we are wrong. So record. Listen intently because sometimes you are wrong. And the last thing on this button... The rewind button. When you went through it, stop. Rewind it and reflect. How did I handle it? Did I say something wrong? Do I need to go apologize? How did I do it? Rewind. Use your emotional remote control. To forward, pause, play, record, rewind, and mute. That's some of the way you can manage your anger. But now let me give you a scriptural thing. Because after all, we're at church. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says this. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Some of you are like, lust? Why are you talking about sexuality stuff now? Actually, let me teach you something. The original Aramaic word and Hebrew Greek word for lust doesn't deal with sex. It deals with a strong desire. That's what the word means. Now, we refer when you are having a lustful thought or feeling lust because you're having a desire inappropriate most of the times, probably about 99.999% of the times. That's why it's a sin towards someone. But lust means a strong desire. So what does it say here? If you're walking in the spirit, if you're walking with God, after all, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, peace, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you're walking in the spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. When I'm angry, the flesh wants me to yell a little louder. And not raising a hallelujah, right? Like getting louder. It wants me to do something. It wants me to kick the water cooler. It wants me to punch a wall. It wants me to do something that I shouldn't do. 
which in and of itself is part of the problem. See, there's some people that are adults that punch walls and kick things and do all kinds of stuff that the reason they do it is because when they were growing up, they never had a parent that told them, you don't do that. You don't throw things. You don't break a bat after you strike out. You don't do those things. I played baseball. I never tried that because I would have broken my leg, not the bat. But anyways, if you're walking in the spirit, you will not fulfill the strong desires of the flesh. Now, can I give you some practical tools on how to manage your anger? Breathe. You're feeling angry? Stop. Literally, stop. Take a deep breath. Count to 10. Or if you're really angry, to 100. Get to the million if you need to, but count. When you ever see anger management with uh, Jack Nicholas and... Um, huh? Nicholson, what did I say? Sorry. Nicholson. And Adam Sandler, right? Goose Fraba. Goose Fraba. Like, find something. Right, that was the other one. Usa. Usa. Thanks for the assist, God. I appreciate it. Some of you are very list oriented. Oriented. Get a sheet of paper and create emotions versus reality list. Emotions versus rational. Sleep on it. One of the worst mistakes that we do is make a decision in anger. And because we make the decision in anger, we say things we can't take back. Sleep on it. Let some time pass. Laugh and smile more. Pastor, what do you mean? Yes. Enjoy life. People who laugh and smile more are proven to get less angry. Smile. Laugh. Watch a comedy instead of a drama. Come on. Put a mental recharge in your schedule. It goes back to how to avoid it too. Margin. Mental recharge. Take some time. Disconnect. Find something that helps you disconnect. When I was younger, it was going to the batting cages for me. If I was frustrated, there was nothing that two rounds at the batting cage could not help me feel better from. Helped me. Some people like fishing. Some people like reading. Some people just like being quiet. Some people, whatever it is, find something that'll help you get an emotional recharge. So we talked about anger's normal. It's dangerous. It can be avoided. You can manage it. And number five is this, anger can be just. It can be just. Now, how do you differentiate between 
Just anger and righteous anger, just anger, does it deal just with you? See, because if it's just something about you, it ain't no just anger. More likely than not, right? What is a just anger? Dealing with things that are big, like to me, one right now that we deal with too much, and I don't think that the church is justly angry enough about it, is abortion. Abortion is murder. It's not a blob inside of a woman. Pastor, that's harsh. The Bible says that God told Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. How would God know a blob? David said in Psalm 139, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit inside of his mother's womb. Three biblical examples of life inside the womb. Now, there's no condemnation in Christ. You already did that in your previous walk. Repent before God and go forth. It's the reason that right now we're partnering with COPE. Most of you know that, and we were just there. We've been there twice in the last few months, and we're going to do more things with that school this year. We already told the principal, we want, when, you, when one of the girls gives birth, let us know. We want to show up with a box of diapers and things to help. Why? Because they chose to give that baby life. Because that's part of the problem. Sometimes the church says, oh, abortion is wrong, but then we look down at somebody that gets pregnant. Right? You can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Because the church is good at that. I'm talking to the church at home. I'm not talking about our church. Please understand that. We strive at seeing a need and filling a need. We need more ministries to rise up and help these young ladies. And sometimes, you, do you know that dealing with abortion is not even just a young issue? I remember a colleague when I was still in, in, working in Dade County many, many years ago. They already had adult children when they got pregnant. So they were having serious thoughts. As 40-year-old married people to have abortions. Sometimes we think, oh, it's just young people that deal with that. No, 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 no. It's a human life issue. I read a post the other day. I'm, I am digressing and I apologize, but I read a post the other day of somebody holding a sign. I thought it was super interesting. It said, everybody who's in favor of abortion has already been born. Everyone, some of you are still processing. I'll, let you, I'll say it one more time. Everyone who's in favor of abortion has already been born. So we can have a righteous thing for it. You'll never see me pick it in front of an abortion clinic. There's people that do that and mention to do that, and God bless you, you're making awareness, and sometimes you get people to stop. Me personally, i rather find a way to give them the counseling and get them and help them have the baby. My opinion, the same way that we say the saying, two wrongs don't make a right, you don't compound your sin. What do you mean, Pastor? Yes, sex outside of marriage is a sin. If you didn't know that, it is a sin. 
Sex outside of the marriage covenant bed is a sin before the eyes of God. Oh, God knows we're married because we've been together for 50 years. No, bro, go to the courthouse, get right with God, get married, and live right. You know, one of the saddest things as a pastor that I, I can tell you is that when somebody asks me for marriage counseling, the first question I have to ask, if I don't know them already, is, are you legally married? It's the first question I ask. It's pretty sad. That can be just anger. Jesus felt just anger. Do you remember when he walked into the temple and saw everybody selling stuff to the people that came in from out of town and he flipped the tables? But here's the thing. If you are walking in just anger, you still are under control. Jesus didn't flip the tables, take off a belt and start beating people. He just flipped the tables, said, y'all making my father's house a den of thieves. And he kept about his business. And in Mark chapter 3, there's a great example. In Mark chapter 3, it's a Sabbath day. There's a guy whose hand is, is messed up. And Jesus sees him and it says he looked around at them with anger because all the Pharisees, they were more concerned about not working on the Sabbath than healing a sick person. So Jesus was justly angry. He looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Do you see there the principle? He was righteously angry, so he acted and healed the man. He didn't get angry and start punching everybody out and hitting walls and doing things. No, he was angry righteously. King David was righteously angry when he heard Goliath speaking about the children of Israel and God. You remember that story in 1 Samuel? He says he got up. And he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine defying the armies of the living God? In the book of Numbers, chapter 25, I think, there's a story of the children of Israel who were now entering the promised land. And you know what the children of Israel started doing? They started mixing with the pagan things of the people of the land they had taken over where they weren't supposed to. And 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 they started this these people because of their religion to Baal and all these different stuff used to have temple or shrine prostitutes. Like people that worship Baal would go and have sex at the altar. And so here we are and they go and and and, and God is angry at the children of Israel. So in his anger, he tells Moses, get everybody, all the priests that have broken the law, and hang them all. So Moses is out there doing what God said, and all of a sudden, one of the priests who was living right saw another one, get one of the shrine prostitutes, go into a tent and it says that he was filled with zeal and he got a, 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 a spear and he ran into the tent and he plunged the spear through the woman and the man into the ground. And it says that in that instant, God's anger subsided because of that righteous zeal for God. Please don't misinterpret me. I'm not saying go out there and get machetes and do stuff. I'm just saying that anger can be just. If it is for a greater cause, 
Sex trafficking is another one right now that we're not doing enough to stop. And there's others. That can give you a righteous, just anger. So emotions are natural, but we can't live our life based on emotion. So fear can't control your life. Worship team, come to the altar. Fear can't control your life. And in the very same way, anger cannot govern your behavior. Church, we need to continue to grow in our emotional quotient and learn how to understand that anger is normal. It can be dangerous. It can be avoided. I can manage it and it can be just. I cannot allow anger to govern my life, my decisions, the way I act and what I say. The same way I can't allow fear to govern my life. I challenge you. Ask God every day, help me walk more with you, closer to you, more like you, so that I can overcome fear, so that I can overcome anger.